morning. Yeah, we are privileged to have Stephen Corey come to us. Uh, it's going to be a great conference. So here's what I've learned about the chapel. Y'all love to eat. You hate to sign up. And that's just a bad combination when we try to do a mission con to love to eat, don't sign up. So here's the way it goes down. You know you're going to go now, but you only decide later that you're going to sign up. So you know you're going to go now, so go ahead and sign up now. Ryan said it very clearly, you must register. Did you hear the must? It would not be helpful. It's a must. CFC jacks for you to be able to be a part of that dinner and all that's going on that weekend. So February 22nd, 24th, hope you'll be a part and that you'll register right away. We do believe that it is one of our greatest privileges to be an instrument of God for more people to find more life in Jesus. And to the degree that you have been used as an instrument of God for that happening, you know, you agree with me, man, there is no greater privilege than being that instrument of God. So we believe that to be an instrument of God, helping people around the globe find life in Jesus, Mission Con 2019, and we believe that it's our privilege to be instruments of God in this community, finding more people finding more life in Jesus. So if you would take your Bibles, whatever form you have it in, and turn with me to John 4. It's why we are looking at life conversations. The conversation that Jesus had with the woman at the well in John 4 as instruction for how we might, as instruments of God, engage in real conversations with real people in our community so that they might find life in Jesus. If you've been with us for the past few weeks, here's what we've seen thus far. Life conversations actually begin with conversations with God. It all starts with what we talk to God about. Because if we're not talking to God about other people finding Jesus, we're not going to be talking to those people. It all starts with what we pray about. And part of that prayer, Lord, open my eyes to see opportunities. See, I hope that's what's happening, that, that you've been praying, Lord, open my eyes. And maybe people you have seen at work, you're now seeing in new ways. Or maybe the people that you've always known on your street, you've seen them before, but you've never seen them like Jesus sees them. Maybe family members. But that you would be seeing people opportunities because the disciples saw people in Sychar when they were buying food, but they didn't see them like Jesus saw them. When they came walking out to the well, Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look. Look at the opportunity for harvest. They didn't see it. So it begins with what we talked to God about, and that is, God, open my eyes. That's where it begins. So don't stop praying, asking the Lord to open your eyes. And then it's about being a person someone wants to talk with. <laughs> this is so basic, but regrettably, oftentimes Christians aren't people that people want to have a conversation with. It's judgmental, it's condemning, it's narrow, and they're like, oh, man. And what was Jesus? Humble, honest, and kind. In fact, when he showed up at the well at noontime and that woman, a Samaritan woman, saw him, I'm sure she thought, oh, no, a Jewish man, I don't want to have anything to do with him. And ultimately, he proved himself to be somebody that she would have a conversation with. She was surprised by how he conducted himself. Don't throw this away, folks. What's your reputation? At people at work, would they say, you're humble? 
you're honest, you're kind. Those are not just throw away, oh, that's nice ideas. That, that determines whether you're going to be somebody someone wants to have a conversation with. It's who we are before it's what we say. As we are that, then third, we introduce something spiritual. Doesn't have to be clever, doesn't have to be rote, doesn't have to be memorized. We just turn the conversation spiritual. Whether we ask a question, we connect to the conversation. Jesus said, we're at a well. Hey, if you actually knew who I was and the, the gift of God, you'd ask for me to give you a drink instead of me asking you for a drink. We, we bring it up. We turn it spiritual. It doesn't have to be the gospel. It doesn't have to be everything at once. You just turn it spiritual and then, and listen, I hope you captured this. When you turn it spiritual, then you wait and see what happens, how they respond. This is what Jesus did. You pursue or you drop the conversation according to their response. You don't have to shove it down their throats. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples, go into town and share. And if people aren't interested, just move on. Sometimes we get so prayer, we got to make something happen. And can, can, you, can you hear me on this one, please? The goal of this series is not for us to go make something happen. It's to join with God in what he's doing. Because if he's not doing it, you can't make it happen. And quite frankly, if he's doing it, you can't keep it from happening. <laughs> but you can have the privilege of being a part of it. That's that's the awesomeness about what we're talking about with life conversation. So with that, I had a, an encouraging email I got Wednesday uh, following up last Sunday's message and then the, the no lunch lunch. Just after the no lunch lunch, three of us met for lunch. Yes, I, I was feeling that too. Met for lunch. There was a woman there where they went to lunch. There was a woman there clearly struggling with her day and each of us ready to engage her in conversation. We found out later that each of us thought the other would have some clever connection point for the spiritual conversation. The server clearly had time to chat and even left and came back a couple of times. This gave us a chance to come up with a plan. <laughs> so here's what we came up with. Nothing. Between the three of us, we could come up with nothing. I don't think we were frozen with fear. We just were blank. I've had this experience so many times. And then they signed it. Spiritual, or they made the subject. Spiritual conversation fail. Now you may go, I thought this was an encouraging email. And some of you are going, yes, I'm encouraged. Other people fail like I do. That's not the point. <laughs> what I replied was, uh, thanks for sharing. I actually don't think this is a fail for a few reasons. Number one, you went to lunch having begun with, with prayer. You, you went there. And therefore, number two, because you went to lunch having begun with prayer, that was a win, not a fail. And because you saw the opportunity, that's a win, not a fail. And you ask one another, and, and in so doing, you were listening to the Lord. How do we turn this? That's a win. Fear was not the reason for the silence. That's a, that's a win. And fifth, you know where the woman works, and Lord willing, you can return any given Sunday. <laughs> right? That's a win. Finally, who knows? 
Maybe you were blank because the Lord didn't have anything for you to say on this occasion. Is that possible? Could you be walking in the spirit and be silent? Yeah. Now, don't, oh, sweet. Now you're going, the Lord just didn't lead me. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. I am saying we never know what God is doing in a person's life, and we never know where they are in their life. I want us to go, let's join the process and let God deal with the product, right? We're not trying to make something happen. Please, let's not go out and I'm going to, I got somebody in the crosshairs. We turn into these like heat-seeking missiles. Stop. No, 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 no. We're prayerful. Eyes up. Turn spirit, turn the conversation, and we see what the Lord does. Sometimes it goes, sometimes it doesn't. We don't have to make it happen because if God doesn't make it happen, it's not going to happen. And if God is making it happen, it's going to happen. We just get to be a part. So this wasn't a fail. This was a win. So let's, let's join with whatever the Lord's doing and keep our part in perspective. So I hope that encourages you. It encouraged me that, that folks were prayerful and looking and desirous. That's what the Lord's looking for. So are you open to John 4? John 4 is where we're going to go back to and we're going to pick up the conversation that Jesus has with this woman. Here's a quick recap. He, he stops at the well. Disciples go to get food. He says, woman, can I have a drink? And she goes, how is it that you, a Jewish man, speak to me a Samaritan woman. He says to her, well, if you knew who I was and the gift of God, you would have asked me for a drink instead of me asking you for a drink. She, so he turns it spiritual. She responds with two questions. How are you going to get me something to drink? You don't even have a bucket to draw the water with. And are you greater than Jacob who, who like dug this well? So he responds he turns it spiritual. She responds with two questions. Verse 13, let's pick it up. What does he say to her two questions? Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, is what he says to her. But whoever drinks of the water that I'll give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. So he turns it spiritual. She goes with it. So he pursues it more. And then verse 15, what does she say? Yes, he goes, sir, give me this water. Uh, So I'll not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. And you think, oh, always works out for Jesus. That never happens to me. Two, two sentences in and they're going, I'll take it. And then Jesus does the strangest thing. Sir, I'll, ta- I'll take it. But what's he say? Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. He says, you have it. You have correctly said, I have no husband. Four, you've had five husbands. And the one whom you now have, in other words, the one you're living with now, is not your husband. This you have said truly. And what's her reaction? 
Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> Meaning what? You know stuff about me that you're not supposed to know. That's not stuff I want people to know. But I got to tell you, and maybe you've never thought about it. I've thought a ton about this question. Why does Jesus say to this responsive woman who says, responsive, me, give me the water. Why in the world does he go, go call your husband and come here? You'd think he's like, sweet, let's have a baptism right now. But he doesn't. So what's up? I mean, was Jesus being intentional? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If Jesus was anything, he was intentional. So he says this for a reason. But let me acknowledge something for you. I'm going to tell you why I think he says it, but in fairness, it doesn't tell us. It just tells us, instead of saying, you know, praise the Father, let's baptize you, he says, go call your husband and then come here. So why? The first reason, I think, goes back to what she said to him when he turned the conversation spiritual. Uh, go back up in the passage. When he turned it spiritual, one of her questions, verse 12, was, you're not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Now, have you ever made a statement but formed it in a question? If you're married, I know you have. <laughs> this is classic. Is she really asking? I don't think she's right. She's a little curious, but, but she's basically saying, who do you think you are offering me water that's better than the water that Jacob, the great Jacob provided for us? You're not greater than Jacob, are you? It's like she's really making a statement. So Jesus says, well, go call your husband. Well, I don't have one. True or false? True, deceptively true. You're right. You don't have one. You've had five. And so you've given up on marriage and now you just live with a guy. Why did he tell her that? <laughs> You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Oh, yeah. Lots. <laughs> I'm lots better. I know everything you've ever done. You know, that's what she went back to Sychar and said, come meet the guy who told me everything I've ever done. Now, just an aside here, do you want to meet that guy? Uh, I'm a little busy. I don't really, I know I know everything. I don't need to meet somebody else who knows everything. But that is her testimony. Come meet the guy who's told me everything I've ever done. In other words, who is much greater than Jacob. So, so why does he ask the question, or why does he say, go call your husband and come here? Because he needs her to know what? <laughs> that actually, I'm not just another man. I am, I'm God. I know everything about you. See, Jesus is revealing something about himself to her. He is answering her question, actually. 
Are you greater than Jacob? Yes, I created him. I know what Jacob doesn't know. Now, as you write that down, you understand. God knows everything about you. He knows everything that you've ever done. Uh, let's, I, I, I make sure we understand this because you can never embrace Jesus as Savior, the one who cleanses and gives living water until you recognize that he is not just another man or a great teacher or a good guy or a sacrificial or really loving. He is God. Core to the gospel is the person of Jesus. And so why does he say this to her? Because he needs her to know, yes, I am greater than Jacob. And because I am, because I know everything about you, I can give you what I've offered you. You understand that? He is, because he reveals who he is, he is revealing that he can do what he said. And this was always the way Jesus did his work. When he said to a paralytic, your sins are forgiven, people were like, yeah, right, only God can forgive sins. So what did he do? He said, well, rise up and walk. Whoa, the paralytic's walking. Yes, he's walking so that you know I can do what I said. The visible is proving to you that I can do the invisible, forgive sin. The visible that I just did for you, lady, is to reveal that I can give you the living water that you didn't think I could give. I don't need a bucket, and I am greater than Jacob. So you with me? I think that's why, first reason why he said, go call your husband and come here. Second reason. I think he is exposing now in her something, and that is a distorted view of the gospel. He has first revealed something about himself, that I am greater than Jacob, I am God, and therefore I can give what I've promised. I can give living water that will cause you to never thirst again. But when he says, go give your go call your husband and come here. He's revealing something about her and her view of the gospel. So go back to verse 15 again and and notice with me very specifically, what does she say when she responds to the invitation? Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. Why does she want the water? Well, she says, because this would be good. I'd never be thirsty. How awesome would, awesome would that be? And that would be really awesome because then I would never have to come back here. And why doesn't she have to go, want to come back there? <laughs> well, number one, it's a hassle. But number two, she's there in the heat of the day because of what he has already revealed he knows about her. See, she is there at noon when the typical woman would not be there because she doesn't want to be there when all the other women who have not had five husbands who are not living with their man are there. So she's trying to avoid them. And she hears, you could give me water so that I would never have to come back here to my place of shame. So wheat, I'll take it. So she sees... Jesus as a convenient 
addition. If we were more spiritual, she sees Jesus as a real blessing. (laughs) This would be great. I would never have to come here again. Now, don't miss. See, if you don't spend time in the text, you're going to miss this. Give it to me so I don't have to ever come here again. And what's he say to her? Go call your husband and come here. No, 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 no. I thought the deal was if I could have this, then I wouldn't have to come here. See, that's what I want. I don't want to have to come here because this represents a place I avoid because of who I am and, and what? And what I've done. Oh, and what's Jesus saying? To get living water, you have to be willing to admit who you are and what you've done and, and come here and bring it to me. So she wants Jesus as a convenient addition But he is calling her to admit who she is, an immoral woman, sleeping with a guy, and what she's done. Number one, number two, number three, number four, number go and bring it here. And what's, what's so intriguing to me about this passage is it seems like Jesus is once again just like borderline rude and mean. And this whole woman, give me a drink. That wasn't rude. That was actually, she understood to be gracious. But this seems like, Jesus, are, are, are you saying, go bring all your sin and I'm going to rub your nose in it? Is he being cruel to her? by making her admit who she is and what she's done, it feel it can feel that way. But hear me, hear me. It's actually the complete opposite. Why does he want her to go, call her, and bring it here, bring it to me? Here's why. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, think about that, walking in the light where our life is visible and known. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, revealed and known, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us. From all sin. When does his blood cleanse us from all sin? When? When we walk in the light, when we walk in the truth and the honesty of who we are and what we've done. If we say that we have no sin, I don't have a husband. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we 
confess our sins, if we bring what we have hidden in darkness and we bring it into the light, then what happens? He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see the beauty of what Jesus is doing. It's not remotely cruel. It's not even a little bit cruel. It is incredibly gracious. He is inviting her to do, no doubt, what she is most afraid to do, what she is attempting to avoid and hide in her life. She is inviting her to bring it to him, not to rub her nose in it, not to publicly shame her, not to embarrass her, but to cleanse her. Because that which we do not bring into the light, that which we do not confess, is not cleansed. And we deceive ourselves. You know, one of the greatest lies of our enemy, Satan himself, is this. If you bring into the light your past, who you really are and what you've done, you will have shame heaped upon you. And we believe that lie, and so we hide. But you know what the truth is? As long as you hide it, you will never be free from it. The only way to be free from your shame and that which you just wish was not true, the only way to be free from it is to do what? Bring it to me. Go get it. And come back here. And then there's cleansing. And then there's... See, Jesus isn't being cruel. Jesus isn't being hard. Jesus is being incredibly gracious. See, Jesus is extending a grace that knows the depth, all that she has done, the breadth, Everything that she has ever thought, everything that she has ever done, every lie she's ever told, he, he is extending a grace that knows all of that, but does what? <laughs> but still says, bring it, and I'll give you living water. You see, you can't, you can't add me as a convenient addition. But if you'll bring all that you are. You know, when you meet people at times, I think they're always divine appointments. Sometimes it's just clear. Friday, I'm walking into Ace Hardware, and a gal who goes to the chapel uh, was walking out. So I spoke, and she said, I just, just love the chapel, and I love what God has done in my life. And then she said, there's just so many things in my past I I wish I could change. There's just so many things I wish I would have never done. I wish there's so many things I could do over. Maybe you have that sense. Sometimes the longer we live, the longer the list gets, right? And what do we do with that stuff? Well, either try to continue to live with it and bring Jesus into it, or we 
bring it to Jesus. And he says, and I'll cleanse it. And I'll take it away and give you new life. See, if, you, if you've never really understood grace, that, that church word grace, it's here at the well. He's not being mean. He is not being cruel. He is saying, I know everything and I am offering you to bring it and I'll cleanse it. And you'll have a life of living water that will never run out. You do not need to be trapped in your shame any longer. And when I cleanse you, did you notice what we read in 1 John? When I cleanse you and when there is forgiveness, now you can have fellowship with one another. You don't have to come here at noon anymore because you're not stuck in the shame of your past. You're forgiven and you can genuinely have fellowship one with another. Let's be clear, Christian Family Chapel. Our community is as deep as our honesty. Or our community is as shallow as our, I don't have a husband. Which is true, but unbelievably deceptively true. It's protective, but not protective. It's robbing her of what Jesus wants to give to her. So go, get your husband, and come here. She's being confronted because what she really want to do, what she always done, hide her sin. And, and do you blame her? Do you blame her? Uh, any honest folk here this morning go, I don't blame her. That, that's exactly what all of us want to do. None of us really want our sin exposed. None of us want to bring it out into the open. All of us want to just say, hey, God, can we just work this out on ourselves, just the you and I, and we can just kind of get past and we don't have to bring it up. We're trying to protect ourselves. Instead, we're robbing ourselves of the grace of God. Jesus says, bring it to me. Not so I can embarrass you, but so I can forgive you, so I can cleanse you. So let's look at the big picture. It's noon. Jesus is tired, weary, so he stays at the well. Woman, can I have a drink? How are you, Jewish man, speaking to me, a Samaritan woman? If you knew who I was and the gift of God, I wouldn't be asking you. You'd be asking me. You're greater than Jacob? You don't even have a bucket. <laughs> the water I give will be so that you'll never thirst again. And you'll never have to come back here again. <clears throat> Living water. And what she say? I'll take it. And you expect him to go, But he says, go call your husband. 
I don't have one. I know, because you gave up on marriage, but you've had five and you're living with a guy. I know. Go call your husband and, and bring it to me. Jesus, I just, I just I want to add you to my life. Maybe you can make it a little less dark and a little less cloudy. Maybe you can bring a little life into this ugliness. And he's going, no, 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 no. You, you, you can't add me to your life. You bring it to me humbly, honestly. You bring it to me, and then I take it upon myself, and I pay your penalty. I take your shame, and I give you my life. That's grace. But how many of us have tried to do this? I don't want to admit my sin, but I'll take it. I'll take your life. I'll take forgiveness. I don't want to admit this, but I'll, I'll add Jesus to my life. No. Bring it to me, and I'll take it and give you mine. So when my wife Jackie was in high school, uh, she had grown up in a Catholic church, and so she knew about Jesus. She knew about his death, his burial, his resurrection. And she'd say, Doug, as a, as a little girl, I would pray I'd talk to God. But then in high school, she went with some friends to a Christian concert. And as part of the concert, a, a man declared the gospel. And for the first time, she heard not a story or a message of adding Jesus to make her life a little bit better, but she's heard a truth about admitting who she was and what she had done and bringing that to Jesus and receiving forgiveness. And she knew, I've never been born again. She knew in that moment, I've known about Jesus, I know about God, I've talked to God, and I've attended church, I've just added Jesus to my life. And now this guy was inviting me to repent, to acknowledge my sin and bring it to him and be forgiven. But she was trapped, she felt, because she was sitting along a row of other of her friends who thought she was a Christian. He was like, I can't admit that I haven't been. And yet she knew she wasn't for the first time. And so it's the man led her in prayer. She admitted her sin for the first time, said, I'm, I am guilty. You know all that I've done, what I deserve, but I believe that you've taken my penalty in. I receive the gift of eternal life. And she'll tell you today, I knew that day I was born again. What she wasn't prepared for was this. The man said, if you've just prayed that prayer, why don't you tell to the person beside you? 
she knew that she had for the first time trusted Jesus. But so reluctantly, but fearfully, but courageously told the person. And they were happy for her. But that was scary. And the guy said, now that you've told the person beside you, why don't you stand up? Tell everybody. He, I mean, he should have been a car salesman. No. He, and she stood up, afraid. But she knew that for the first time in her life, she had gone from this sort of religion of Jesus as part of her life and was now a new person in Christ. But it was hard for her because of what other people thought. I tell you that story this morning for this reason. I think there are probably people at Christian Family Chapel who have done this. You've added Jesus to your life. You know who you are, but you've, you've never been willing to admit it and say, Lord, I lay that down. I bring it to you ask you to forgive. And right now, Jesus is like talking to you. And I know this because when he's talking to you, 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 you it, it's not like anything else. It's like that when the Bible says he's knocking and you go, and you, you know it right now but you're genuinely afraid. Afraid to admit and afraid to acknowledge to maybe some other folks who thought you were. I was this, never this. Now, I don't know what, where you are, but Matt's gonna sing a simple invitation that Jesus is calling for you to, to bring your sorrow and your sin and your shame and your ashes and no longer hide it, no longer just try to add Jesus to it, to bring it and to ask him, Lord, I give it to you once and for all. Would you forgive it and give me new life? As Matt sings, would you ask yourself, who am I before the Lord? And if you're this, invite him. Father's arms are open wide. Oh, 
said to the woman, go call your husband and come here because we cannot be cleansed of the sin that we deny we have by hiding it. He was inviting her, don't hide any longer, but to do what? Bring it to Jesus. So let me invite you to bow with me if you would. It may be that you've known about God and Jesus for a long time. You've attended church, read your Bible, said prayers. You've added Jesus to your life, but you have never admitted who you are, what you've done, and brought all your shame and regret and sorrow and sin and brought it to Jesus and said, I repent, I change my mind about that I should hide it. I bring it to you and ask you, would you forgive me and cleanse me? Set me free from my shame and turn my ashes into beauty and my sorrow into joy. Jesus, would you be my savior? I lay my life down. you be living water in me. And I invite you, believe in Jesus. Admit your sin. Bring it to him. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that you promise that whoever will call upon you will be saved that all who trust in you will never be disappointed. Thank you for the offer of new life, forgiveness, abundant life, and eternal life. In your name, amen. I want to ask you to do something. We don't normally do this at the chapel, but if for the first time, you acknowledged, oh, maybe I've been adding Jesus to my life and, 
and you laid your sin down, you laid your life down, and, and you invited Jesus to be new life, eternal life, abundant life. I'm going to ask you to do something that would be courageous. A woman said to me after first, I was sitting there going, oh, Doug, please don't. And I said to her, if I thought Jesus had been cruel, I wouldn't have. But Jesus was incredibly kind. And he invited her to do something publicly. Come and bring it to me. So if you have just trusted in Jesus as your Savior, I want to invite you. Would you courageously, over in south, if you're over there, here in north, I want to invite you to stand right now and publicly say, I've just trusted in Jesus. It's the privilege, five folks, first hour, a few folks here. I know you may have been scared out of your mind. We couldn't be happier for you. I also know, because after last hour, I got to the courtyard and a gal grabbed me and said, I, I was too chicken to stand. You know what I was able to tell her? Standing in a service doesn't get you into heaven. Jesus does. So just tell me, did you bring your sin to Jesus? Yes. Did you trust him to be your savior? Yes. You're born again. And you'll have another opportunity to declare your faith in baptism. And you'll be freaked out of your mind. And it'll be okay. Seriously. It, for when, when we are born again, we have a joy that is, we don't know where it comes from. It comes from Jesus. When we're born again, we have a courage that we don't know where it comes from. It comes from Jesus. So, if you didn't stand, would you at least grab me afterwards? Or maybe take a, out a communication card and go, uh, I didn't stand, but I placed my light, my faith in Christ. That, that communication card, it's in that seat back in front of you. Just write your name and, and maybe how we can contact you. But folks, you will never regret bringing your life to Jesus and making this exchange. A few of you stood in here, trusting a few did in South as well. Would the rest of would all of us stand together now and, and let's declare with one accord, what a savior we have in Jesus. Oh, what a savior is it he wants.
possible you still have questions or you have things to sort out. Uh, that's why we always offer men and women available to pray with you to answer any questions, just to, to help you know what it means to not just know who Jesus is, but to have a relationship with him, to have your sin forgiven, to be made new in Jesus. That would be our greatest joy. If you stood in here or you didn't stand, but you were standing on the inside, uh, would you come on up front? I'd love to meet you. If you're over in South, Tony Anderson will be over there available. Go on up and take a step. I know it takes some courage. Take a step and declare, I trusted in Jesus today. It would be our great joy to meet you. God bless and have a great week.